It's another windy day in Fort Collins, which, as you can see, is seriously messing up my hairstyle. We're standing outside the Hughes Stadium, the home of the CU Buffaloes. Yep, I know, I just said that to make sure that everybody was awake. The CSU Rams, I get that. 34,000 people can cram into this stadium. Bob Dylan played here in 1976. I'm sure it's been the scene of many famous victories. Today, as we visit our last city on our road trip, we're going to Ephesus. And it was there in the theatre, which seated 25,000 people, it was there that a tremendous victory was won. Can you imagine 25,000 people angry with one man, and not just because he got his football teams mixed up? That's what happened with the Apostle Paul. The whole city was in uproar. This was created because Paul was doing some amazing miracles and many people were turning away from the pagan gods of that city. So much so, it was affecting their economy. We will see today that Paul did some amazing miracles, that there was quite a stirring up in the supernatural. What we're going to discover in this last stopping off point of Ephesus is that this gospel message, it really is a supernatural message. look up there, I, I feel a sense of trauma looking at those stunts that I did for you. <laughs> well, we're going to Ephesus. Uh, it's in western Turkey today, and uh, exciting things, as you've heard, were happening there. So let's dive in. Acts chapter 18, Acts 18 and verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and spoke with great fervour and talk about, taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Then chapter 19, verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. And in verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery bought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Well, um, many of you know, we've got a lot of guests this weekend, but many of you know that I'm actually from uh, England, and uh, we do quite a lot of things in England badly in comparison with America. I am the first to admit that. Service in restaurants is not good there. Um, British people don't tend to say, have a nice day. It doesn't sound right. 
And some British people I know, if you tell them to do that, they'll say, I'll have whatever kind of day I want. Thank you very much. Mind your own jolly business. Um, we don't do gasoline prices great either. I just checked yesterday morning and gasoline in England is currently $9 a gallon. Isn't that traumatizing? Next time you fill up with gas, do not complain. Kiss the ground and sing God bless America, honey. And we, uh, see what we don't do very well in England, we don't do English muffins very well. We don't. What's with you people? There is no such thing as an English muffin. How dare you invent a muffin and name it after us? God, I got that off my chest. But I'll tell you what we do really well. Old stuff. We do old stuff really well. You know, like the Tower of London. The Queen. I mean the royal family. Castles. We got castles. We got castles or us. You know, we have a lot of castles. My grandmother, my grandmother's house, her roof, her roof. We say roof. You say roof. It's like down rover. My grandmother's, my grandmother's roof is a thousand years old. And it was made from the bows of an old ship because my grandmother's house a thousand years ago was on the ocean. But guess what? Now it's six miles from the sea. Because over the last millennium, the geophysics of the area have changed and now the sea is six miles away. That's exactly what happened in the city of Ephesus. It was a seaport, but if you go there today, and you can, if you go there, it is now six miles from the ocean. There used to be a beautiful harbour road that stretched from the amphitheatre all the way down to the harbour. There it is, it's now in ruins, where that tree is at the end there. The ocean used to be there, but now the ocean is six miles away. There's this incredible amphitheater. Uh, we know that this is the one that's spoken of in the Bible because there's only one amphitheater that big in town. It's a, uh, an amazing place. And then, and then take a look at this. This is the, uh, this is the Starbucks in Ephesus. <laughs> On the left hand side there you'll see a Latin inscription uh, for Frappuccinos. I'm just kidding. I'm just making sure you're there. That's all. Some of you are looking at me. Oh, you're going, wow, that's incredible. Frappet. That's amazing. Can't wait to tell my friends. And then, and then uh, there was this incredible temple, the Temple of Artemis. This, was, this is a reconstruction. This was the largest building in Greek civilization in the whole world at that time. Uh, this was a, 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 a city where there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on. Not all of it by any means good. A lot of immorality as well. Typical seaport. Uh, this is the library. The library, uh, the facade of the library has been reconstructed. There it is. And where that brickwork is to the right of the screen, that's the city brothel. And there is a, a secret underground passage between the library and the brothel. I'm serious. What, what's happening here is the guys are saying, honey, I just need to return that, that book. And what is going on here is this, this smorgasbord of spirituality and immorality and occult. And it's to this city of Ephesus 
that Apollos and then the Apostle Paul, they come with the Christian message. Now, what has all of this got to do with us today? It has everything to do with us today. Because 2,000 years ago, many people made a response to the Christian message in that city. And it's been wonderful. I'm kind of wired today because over the course of this weekend, in our last two services, we've seen, I think, about 60 people make first-time commitments to Jesus Christ. And it's going to happen again here in this service today. Because did you know, Jesus is still alive and still at work. He's still doing his stuff. And I want... I, I want to say to you, because we're trusting God, that we, we are going to be in the next few minutes, 13 minutes and a second, we are in potentially a life-changing moment for some people here and in the South Auditorium because you're going to receive the same message that was preached in Ephesus. What is that message? First of all, if you're following along in the bulletin, first of all, Christianity has the big message. Christianity has the big message, the message of the kingdom of God. It's the big message, the message of the kingdom of God. Something terrible happened to me yesterday. My computer has many demons in it and it died on me yesterday. And I, for two hours yesterday... For two hours, I, I couldn't get my emails. <sighs> okay, it's all right now. It's pretty horrible when your messages don't come through. Here's a message that should have created an instant reaction. Look at these words on the screen. Does anyone know where those words come from? It comes from the... The Titanic. I know some of you are thinking, you know, Pastor Jeff kind of looks like that Leonardo guy, doesn't he? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Appreciate your response to that. I'm feeling good about myself now. Yep, it was the, uh, it was the 14th of April 1912. And messages had been coming through throughout the day from other ships in the area. Iceberg alert. But the Marconi operators have been told to prioritize messages for the passengers. They did not pass the iceberg messages to the bridge. The important message didn't get through. And so the next day, the headlines looked like this. As, what is it, 1,517 people in total, it was later discovered, perished because the message didn't get through. Something similar to that was happening in Ephesus because... Uh, John, John's message, the message of John's baptism, had been shared in uh, Ephesus by Apollos, but they hadn't got the whole message. And, and I think, by the way, that's an original picture there of um, John the Baptist with the first Kodak ever invented. Actually, I think we better take that off the screen. That's distracting a few people, so we'll we'll move on. But. That message wasn't fully getting through. Just the message of John, which was actually repent because God's angry. I think a lot of people feel like that about Christianity. They've never heard the whole message. They think that Christianity is about just going to church on Sunday mornings. Nice, isn't it? Christianity is about being narrow-minded. It's about being against stuff. 
It's about hatred. It's about getting to heaven when you die. It's about being superstitious. And the Apostle Paul goes to this place where half the message had got through. And he says, no, it's about the kingdom of God. What's that mean? Well, originally, everything was right with this world. The Garden of Eden picture. Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God. Living under God's rule and reign. And then rebellion came. There is something wrong with the world. The world is messed up. Why? It's called sin. And then Jesus came. And he didn't just talk about getting into heaven when you die. Although life after death matters, obviously. But he talked. His main message was the kingdom of God. Now what does that mean? It means that Jesus was saying, hey, You can now come back to that place of living your life under the authority of the king. The kingdom of God is simply a metaphor for the reign of God. And then Jesus died on the cross to deal with everything that separates us from God. He was raised again to deal with that which confronts all of us, which is death. He is alive right now and he invites us to step into his kingdom. That's what being a Christian is. I talked about Bob Dylan singing in in the stadium in Fort Collins. And the truth is, every one of us is in some kind of kingdom today. We're all serving something. Dylan sang, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Please know that in a few minutes from now, there is going to be an opportunity for some of us to say, yes, I want to be in that kingdom. I want Jesus to be king in my life. Christianity is about the big message of the kingdom. Secondly, Following on from that, secondly, Christianity is a decision. Christianity is a decision. Some rejected and some followed. When you look at the story of Ephesus, some welcomed the message, just as some of us, our hearts are opening right now. And some of them were obstinate and rebellious and actually didn't only walk away, but they attacked the church as it was back then. You see, every relationship requires a decision. 32 years ago, I got married at the age of three, and (laughs) my wife was 17 minutes late. But I'm over that now. (laughs) She came down the aisle And the minister looked at me and he said, Jeffrey Richard Lucas, will you have this woman, Kay, to be your lawful wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for richer, for four, a better, for worse, fish, cakes, cheeseburgers, pizza, whatever it is, he said. And I said, I will. And then he looked at Kay and he said, Kay, will you take this? (laughs) This? (laughs) <laughs> to be your lawful wedded husband, have and hold, this day four, bishop before, blah, 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 blah. And she, after a lengthy pause, <laughs> said, I will. I said, I will. She said, I will. We both said, I will. And the minister said, alrighty then, I now declare you. He didn't actually say, alrighty then. He said, I now declare you husband and wife. Because we both agreed. 
sir, wherever you've been and whatever you've done, I've got news for you. Jesus looks at you right now and he says, I will. But he awaits your decision. He awaits your response. Christianity is a decision. Thirdly, thirdly, Christianity is supernatural. Christianity is supernatural, but there are other powers too. You see, God does these extraordinary miracles through Paul. Incredible things are happening. I think we have an image on the screen. An artist tried to capture this sense of these miracles that were taking place. But I need to say this, everybody. Please listen carefully. Not everything that has power is good. Just because something carries power doesn't make it good and right. Because there are good powers and because there are dark powers. But... We here in Timberline, we believe that not only is Christianity supernatural, but God still does heal the sick. My attention to Christianity was grabbed by the fact that I was healed as a 17-year-old kid. I wasn't in a church when it happened. I was very aggressively anti-Christian. My high school teacher, religious knowledge high school teacher, used to talk to me about God. I, I, I hated Christians. And I'm kind of embarrassed about what I'm about to tell you because what I got healed of wasn't exactly exotic. It was foot warts. Which is never going to make a great book, is it? <laughs> Victorious over warts by Jeff Lucas. It's never going to sell. I had a bunch of these things. I used to do a lot of swimming. And one night uh, I, I, I was going to have to go into the hospital to have them removed. And I'm allergic to pain. So I decided... <laughs> Uh, I decided to, to just pray. I thought, can't do any harm. So I said, dear God, whoever you are up there, do something about my foot warts. Amen. The angel Gabriel did not appear at my bedside and say, Lo, Jeffrey, I have taken away thine warts. But I got up the next morning and they're all gone. Freaked me out. Overnight. So I called my teacher at high school. I said, something's happened to me. Someone took my warts. <laughs> she said, I think I know who did that. Come to church tonight. I went to church that night and I heard the message I'm sharing with you. And I gave my life to Christ. Now, I want to tell you quickly, I'm kind of offended by my own story. I really am offended by my own story because it sounds so stupid foot warts. I've been praying for my friend's grandson and that little grandbaby died this week. You say, that's an odd thing to share in a healing service. I tell you what, I would, I would live with limping around with a hundred warts on my foot for the rest of my life and let that little boy live. I don't understand, you see. I, this is not some slick recipe that we have here. Whenever we pray for healing, we have to embrace a sense of mystery. I don't get it. And I want to say to you who are sitting there right now because you have gone through a trauma or you're battling a, a, a real health challenge and you're sitting there and you're thinking, don't tell me about God healing your warts. You don't even know what you're talking about. I get that, all right? But I don't get it. All I know is that our responsibility is to pray and ask God. This is not faith healing or spiritism. It is not the ultimate answer if we get physical healing, because you can get a whole body but have a messed up heart. It's not weird. 
I'm not going to do a strange voice when I come to doing the praying bit later. Oh, Lord. (laughs) You don't have to shout when you pray. You don't have to do any of that stuff at all. In fact, I want to tell you, we want to be very sensible about this. The only person who can really say that you are healed, if you feel that you are, is your doctor. And nobody but your doctor should tell you to stop your medication. Nobody. Christians get silly with this stuff. Do not go out of here and say, that's it, you know, I've been prayed for, I'm going to quit my medication. Do not do that. Only your medical professionals should tell you that. We don't have to do any silliness here. But we do come and we do come in prayer. Well, the last thing, the last thing, fourthly, is that Christianity creates consequences. Christianity creates consequences. Accepting light means rejecting darkness. There's this incredible reaction, ladies and gentlemen, in Ephesus. These people who have been preoccupied with the occult, they hear this message, they respond to it, but it's costly. They burn their occult books. 50,000 drachmas. Here's an image of that, that burning that took place. A drachma A drachma coin was roughly the equivalent of one day's pay. And uh, so if you can imagine 50,000 days pay, that was the value of this stuff that was burned. You know what that means? What it means is that becoming a Christian is not just about praying a little prayer on a Sunday morning. But becoming a Christian is saying, hey, Lord I hand over my life to you. I want you to take charge, whatever the consequences. I want to be a kingdom citizen from now on. At the beginning of this message, I showed you a picture of a washed up harbour in Ephesus. There it is again. Six miles from the sea. And the reason that that city fell into disrepair and ultimately no one lives there anymore is because it was a city designed for the sea. It was never made to be six miles from the ocean. It doesn't work. Now look at the picture again. Because that could be a picture of our lives. Ma'am, you were never made to be six miles from God. You were never designed, sir, to try and figure out that marriage yourself or work out your issues and problems by yourself. You were created, you were designed. Just as that city was made to be by the ocean, you were made to be with God. Very simply, before we pray for anything physical, any other issues, we're going to have an opportunity right now both here and in the South Auditorium, for people to say, yes, just as they did in Ephesus, I want to make a response to this Christian message. Would you bow your head with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the work that you've been doing among us this weekend and your faithfulness to your people and to your church. We pray now, Lord, as we walk As we walk, we pray sensitively through the next few moments. Give us us an ability to, 
to flow with your Holy Spirit and to go where you're going. Do the work that only you can do. Would you keep your head bowed for a moment? And in a few seconds, I'm going to pray a prayer. And this prayer is a first step. This is the decision. This is the I will. And wherever you are in this building today, you can use this prayer if you'd like to say yes to Jesus. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just whisper it in your heart to God. It goes, it goes like this. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you to rescue me, to save me. I want you to take charge of my life from now on. Please forgive me my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you are now alive. Step into my life. I want to be your follower, your apprentice, your friend. And so now I say to you, Jesus, I will. And I ask you now in this moment to make me one who is from this moment on a Christian. Now as our heads are bowed, if you have just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple, both here and in the south. I'm going to ask you, please, just to slip your hand up. Just hold your hand up right now, please, if you have just prayed that prayer. Lots of us are doing it, so no one needs to feel any sense of concern. Just Would you hold your hand up and would you keep your hand up, please, as you do that? Lots of us around the place. I want you to keep your hand up, please, because our ushers have got something we want to give to you right now to help you. We've been doing this throughout the weekend. I want you to keep your hand up until they have come to you and given you this little gift that we would like you to have. Would you keep it high? If no one's coming to you, wave it around a little. But keep it up until we get to you, please. Because this matters so much. Someone over there. People down in the middle here. And uh, bear with us as we take time to do this. Folks down in the middle here. Ushers in the center. And then over there, there are people. Would you wave at me, please, if you still haven't yet received? Thank you for your patience. And at the back, we have a good problem this weekend. We're running out of Bibles and we're running out of resources to give to people who are responding. And that is a, that is a wonderful problem. But I think we've got everything covered. And people over there as well, over on my far right. And if for any reason anybody gets missed, we have these packs available too uh, at the guest services as you leave a little later. The gentleman over here in the middle and then over there at the side. And so Lord we thank you and the gentleman over there on the left still waiting ushers if you can see over there thank you for helping us as you are. We need to take time because this matters so very much. Over in the middle here. Lord, we pray for each and every one of these dear ones and we pray that your word will be well planted in their hearts. But we thank you and we praise you because as in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, 
we see these people making a decision to say yes to Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Do you know what? A lot of people are coming to know Jesus. And I think we need to give thanks to God, don't you? And celebrate and welcome them. I'm English, but I'm so excited I could dance. And you'll be glad to know I'm not going to do that because that would be ugly. But thank you so much. Those, many of you folks have been praying, especially for this weekend. And I just want us to just pause for a moment and give thanks. Because, Lord, the most important miracle of all has been happening around this building. And we give you praise. We don't just move on and say, yeah, great. But we celebrate you and the wonders of your love. Now, Lord, as we pray for the sick and for other needs, continue to work among us, we pray. Here's what we're going to do, folks. In a few moments, if you're able, we're going to stand together and Pastor Terry is going to lead us in worship. The moment we do that, if you would like prayer, uh, we are going to anoint you with oil. Nothing magic about that. We're going to put a dab of oil on your forehead. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask you uh, here in the main auditorium to go to the side walls or come to the front here. In the south auditorium, just go to the side walls. Our prayer team will be distributed all around. Go to them. They will anoint you with oil. But as you go, would you go to them, please, with one word or one sentence about what it is you're asking God to do? It might be that you say, I have cancer. It might be that you say, my marriage. But we want you to think of one thing that you say to that prayer team member as you go. And then, once you've been anointed with oil, stay there. And then we will pray together. And our prayer team will walk around and they will lay hands upon you. This is again a symbol. We place our hand on your shoulder as a way of saying, God, please put your hand on this person. If because of physical disability you are unable to, to move, then just wave at us and we will come to you where you are. So let's stand now if we're able, please. And I want to ask you to start moving right away to the front or to the walls. Let's have some holy chaos in the house. And, uh, and, and we're going to pray. So begin to move if you would like to receive prayer. Think of that word or that sentence that you're going to say um, as you come to the front or as you go to the sides here. Folks at the front here, just step back just a little so the prayer team folk can come in front. That's really helpful. Thank you. So now, mighty God, we go into a new week in your strong name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Our prayer team will be here if you'd like to continue to pray. If you didn't get the green bag with the keys to the new car in, just kidding, but they've got those at guest services if you didn't get to get one. So God bless you. Have a great weekend.